This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, you are listening to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a three times weekly audio show looking into the exciting countries of Ipswich Town Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom and I'll be here each and every Friday for the Blue Monday preview show with a special guest to get their inside of view on the next opponents for Ipswich Town. Ladies and gentlemen, representing Sheffield United for the second time this season, um, Mr. Mark Lawton. Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you, Ben? I'm lovely, yeah. I, I, I don't know why. Before pocket, I just did some mouthwash. I don't know if it's like I'm worried I'm worried that my teeth... I mean, you've got lovely white teeth. I'm worried that my teeth aren't going to look good on the on the YouTube. So I, I feel nice and clean. Um, I have to ask, before before we start, um, you're advocating of a mid-season break because you're not long back from New Zealand. How was that? Yeah, it was great. It coincided with the blades going off the rails. So oh. it was definitely good, yeah. So you've literally just seen them winning all season then, yeah? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not sure. Right. I um, can imagine the middle of it didn't happen. Right, there you go. Um, so we go into the third game of the season now, obviously with the cup game as well. Um, never mind Man United in 1999. Blades going for a historic treble over Ipswich <laughs> in one season. Um, let's go back to game number one. 14th of October 2017 ends 1-0 to... United and I was just saying to you before we switched the camera on you were annoyingly right about a lot of stuff before <laughs> this game so you were telling me about a 3-5-2 and marauding centre halves and look out for that and lo and behold start of the second half Basham appears from nowhere as an extra man in the box and gives um gives United the win I remember this being a pretty tight game we've been on the end of a few of these actually where you end up losing by one Clark hit the bar Waghorn hit the bar just after you'd scored Fleck and Duffy were great in midfield as well um what were your memories of that game and how that kind of fitted into the start of the season I I think it kind of summed up the way we were playing at the time really we had a lot of belief I think you know I think something that's come more obvious as the season's gone on is that we look a decent side at this level. I think we belong at this level. We've, we've, we've shown that it wasn't a fluke at the start, that the form's tailed off a little bit. But I think what you see is that maybe there's a couple of sides out there, Fulham and, and Wolves in particular have impressed me, who just look a higher class. But what United have been able to do is put their best foot forward most games. And 
when we've had a few tight games, and there's been a few of them around the season, really, we've been able to get that extra man in the box at the right time and get the result. And I think I think the Ipswich game was kind of typical of that. There's been a few games where we've really outclassed the opposition, but more often than not, fairly tight games, positive attitude, um, you know, positive style of play, and we've been able to get on the right end of a result. And and maybe that suggests why we haven't quite maintained the playoff positions as the season's gone on. Um, Do you think yeah. um, people were taking you lightly at the start of the season? Possibly so. But I think also just, you know, it's like with these things, the system sometimes takes people a while to get to get their heads around. And I think people have probably paid a bit more attention to us. So they were taking us a bit lightly. Suddenly they start pay, paying a bit more attention, looking a bit more seriously and working out how to stop us. And, and therefore, it gets harder, doesn't it? Because you've got a plan, it works, the players are happy with it, the confidence is high, and then suddenly you start trying to put that extra man forward and sides will, will, will know you're going to do it and they'll take advantage of the gap it leaves at the back and try and counter you quickly or or they'll watch the runners on the, the, the people that are overlapping on the full-back and they'll put extra men there so that it becomes harder and you have to go inside. And I, I think we've just found... Our, our A game not always being as successful as it had been at the start of the season, really. People have sussed us out a little bit. Um, and, and maybe confidence has just lapsed a little bit as the season's gone on as well. Do you think you've suffered a bit from Wolves doing the 3-4-3 thing? Because back in October, you were like, oh, 3-5-2. And no one was really doing it. Everyone was doing 4-2-3-1. And now I've seen, um, you know, we will play 3-5-2 against you tomorrow. And I've seen Warnock do it for... Cardiff, do you, do you think if Wolves hadn't have done it, um, do, you, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? Because the, the tactics are always cyclical and everyone jumps on the trend, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's probably very true. And obviously they've been very successful at it as well. And therefore, it, it's just become a little bit less of an extra weapon in our armoury. And therefore, you, you the, the playing field's even, isn't it, when you get to that sort of point you you haven't got that extra something that sides aren't aren't expecting and that maybe gives you an edge in the game and and I, I just think that yeah like you said people have probably paid a bit more attention to us and worked out who to stop in the team I was busy saying you know, it's, it's interesting looking back now because I was busy sort of saying at the time when we spoke last time oh you know we're very much a team it's we don't rely on certain individuals it's been a team effort throughout and it has, but then you, you see, and it'll come on to it, I suppose, as we talk through our season, we get an injury to Paul Coots, and suddenly we went on a, you know, we struggled. And you start to realise that, yeah, it might seem like it's a bunch of players that work well in a system, but also there are individuals that are key to making that system work. And, and it's hard to know as you look back now, is it that we've lost Paul Coots and actually the system isn't working as well without Paul Coots, or, or is it that actually that coincided with you know, us getting a bit of a beating by Fulham and, and then people starting to think that we, we had weaknesses that they exposed and then it's starting to get tougher anyway. Um, it's, it's always hard to know what, what makes these things happen. Absolutely. Um, well, you mentioned that game, but before we get there, if you go five games after the Ipswich game, um, I looked up the, um, the historic table um, so after 17 games, United were second, um, two points off Wolves and two ahead of Cardiff, won 12 of the first 17. Um, so this is kind of mid-November. mid, mid, mid -November. 
Um, yeah. So amazing, amazing start. Um, was there any thought of at that point? Oh, no, I, I think we can ride this through and we might go straight through the division. I, I think typically as football does, you eventually start to believe <laughs> as soon as you do it goes horribly wrong. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to, I'm just glancing at the fixtures really and, and trying to remember. But yeah, I think there was a period at, at that point after we played you, we went on around four or five wins in a row. We won at Leeds and and we just started to, actually we did lose to QPR just after that. But we, we were riding high, we were getting good results. We'd smashed Hull 4-1. 1-3-1 at Burton and, and at that point you're sort of looking and thinking you know what the fixtures to the end of the year were not that bad and and you started to think if, if we could just keep this run going to, to sort of the turn of the year we then hit a run of bad fixtures in my mind in sort of January February but we could be nicely sort of set up in the in the playoff positions and by the time the tough run run ends we could we could still be thereabouts in fifth or sixth and, and everything to play for. Um, but unfortunately, the wheels came off a little bit earlier, and by by the end of the year, we were already starting to look like we were we were slipping out of the top six, really. Mm. Um, so yeah, we I think fans did start to believe. I don't think anyone was overly confident, but I think people started to believe that you know what, this is that's football. You know, you look at Cardiff. I don't think anyone expected them to stay up there all season, but sometimes you work that magic and you get a team that really fires and they outperform where perhaps they belong you know, on a, as a set of players, they perhaps outperform where you would have put them if you if you looked at the start of the season. And I think you know. if you if you look at those results, it was notable that there was just no draws. And you, you yeah. hear managers all the time talk in a 46-game season that you, you... I know mathematically it's obviously a statistical fact that, I don't know, three wins and two losses in five is better than... Uh, I don't want to get this wrong and people to... Um, comment on YouTube <laughs> two wins and you know what I'm saying though to be unbeaten and draw all, draw all the games but um, it was it was looking good and you've already mentioned this game and it just seems to kind of stand out in the in when I look back through the fixtures so November the 21st 5-4 ridiculous scoreline um, at home to Fulham starts a run of one win in nine games um, and you actually drop all the way to seventh by the new year Um can you give me your thoughts on uh, just a little bit about that game? Because I've never seen a 5-3. I mean, we had a famous 5-3. Um, I've never seen a 5-4. I said, no, we had a, we had a 6-4 against Crew once. Um, anyway, give me give me your thoughts on, on that game. And um, yeah. why, I mean, you've touched on it a bit. Why then you dropped from, because it was second, down to seventh at the new year? Yeah, it, it's an interesting game, that. And I mean, it was, it was a mad game. At the time, it, two hat tricks, yeah. Were, sorry, two yeah, hat tricks, yeah. That's right, yeah. Clark and um, Sessingham, I think it was, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and it was, it was one of those games. Actually, I, you asked me when I started to believe, and I think I started to believe when we went one 0 up against Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough, I remember, you know, we're beating Fulham. This is looking good. Maybe it can happen. And then reality checked, and it was a, it was a crazy game. We, I seem to remember we started well. We got ourselves one 0 up, and it, it was looking. It, we probably had a chance to go 2-0. It's hard to remember exactly now, but I seem to remember it was all looking really, really good. And then Sessignon and Ojo... Uh, is it Shea Ojo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. they go oh, from Liverpool, yeah. He just... It, it was almost like a perfect storm. Ojo had just come back from, from a period of injury, I think. He, it was his first game back for a little while. 
if you look back, Sessignon was probably into his fourth or fifth game, but he'd had a bit of a period out at the start of the season because he'd been in England under 17s or 20s or whatever. And it was like the day the two of them hit form. And all of a sudden, from us being 1-0 up and maybe pushing for a second, Sessignon, I think he probably was, but he could have been Ojo, one of them hit a screamer from 30-odd yards, scored a goal, and and then the next minute they were 2-1 up. Um, and our 1-0 lead suddenly went to a side that were 2-1 up on us and marauding and tearing us apart at every opportunity. And I think he probably ended up at 3-1 by half-time. And it was a bit of a whirlwind. You were just kind of looking, how did that happen? Um, and I can't remember the scoring of the game now. I mean, it, it, I think it must have gone 3-2, 4-2, 5-2, possibly. Because we then we were right out of it. You know, it was like 5-2 with 15 minutes to go or 20 minutes to go. And then we kind of got a second wind and we managed to get it back to 5-3 and then 5-4 with a minute to go. <laughs> and you, you were just sort of thinking we might just get 5-all out of it. And I think if it had gone on another few minutes, we probably would have just got 5-all because it was that kind of comical game where it just seemed to go in spurts of goals in one direction or another. And then, unfortunately, the final whistle blew and we'd lost 5-4. But, but I think, you know, even Wilder in, in his comments was kind of fair enough to say that, you know, it's one of those crazy games, but actually 5-4 probably flattered us a little bit, really. Um, by the time you got through the 90 minutes, but, you know, it was even for a period and then they kind of pulled away and were, were, were much the better side by the end of it until our little rally. Um, and I think... That game sums up a lot of things, really, because it was the first game after we'd lost Paul Coots as well. He broke his leg against Burton the game before. And you could, from that point on, the, the season just became more of a struggle. We we had Birmingham at home the Saturday after, because that was a midweek game. And I remember going to Birmingham going to thinking, perfect fixture. You know, Birmingham aren't on a much form. They did very little away from home. They were struggling in the league, but also poor away from home. And sod's law, we were much the better side. They scored against the runner play. You've got the fans sat there singing, you know, we're winning away from home, how rubbish are you, all that kind of stuff, you know, typical sort of football football banter. And we struggled through to a one-all draw, and we should have probably won it. We were the better side, but it just wasn't our day. And suddenly, instead of bouncing back from our 5-4 home defeat, we, we kind of dropped what seemed like two easy points at home to Birmingham. And sort of looking on from there, it, it it just felt like the season started to go away from us at that point. Um, you know, looking, I'm just glancing down. I think I've been unlucky at times, if I'm dead honest. I mean, I didn't go to Millwall, lost to Millwall. I think that's probably a pretty fair result um, from what I read at the time. But then, then you come to the Bristol City game at home, and that was another of those games that we played really well. We, it was live on TV then. I remember thinking we put a really good show here. We've been the better side. We've, we've looked better than Bristol City for long periods. It was always fairly tight. It's one of those sort of top top sort of games in the division, and it's always going to be fairly tight. Both sides pretty played pretty well. But if anything, we were the side that deserved to edge it. And then in the last minute, like 93rd minute, their guy pops up in the box. That, the centre-half, I can't remember his name, but he scores all the time, yeah. And, and wheeled away in celebration and they won the game 2-1. And it just felt like that was sort of summed up the way the season started to go for us at that point. We hadn't done anything really wrong. We could have won that game easily, but instead we lost to a side that were, were you know, one of our big rivals in the top six and they got to pull away from us. And they then went on a nice spectacular run for a little bit, didn't they, until they got a bit caught up in the cup games in early January and we started to tail off. 
Um, and it, it's it's strange because we've actually had some good results along the way. There's a lot of this sort of, oh, we've only won four in 17 or whatever it is. I'm not sure what the exact, exact stat is. But as, as you look through it, you know, we, we drew away at Villa after that Bristol City game, beat Sunderland at home. This is now getting into the period when I was away from away in New Zealand. And and that doesn't look too bad. But then we go and lose at home to Bolton, where you wouldn't have expected it. But then we come back with a good draw away at Derby. And by all accounts, we were the better side at Derby. We were, we were very unlucky. It sounded like they were having a bit of an off day and, and we, we played really well and we should really have won it. Um and and so there's this thing that we we haven't really hit the heights that we hit earlier in the season, but sometimes it's it's narrow results, isn't it? You know, you get the win you deserve against Bristol City, you get the win you deserve against Derby, and suddenly your stats start to look a lot better. And I think I think I've seen that quite a few times since I've come back. Villa at home was another game um in early February where we were the better side throughout for that for me. They they looked better in the second half. We 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 owned the first half. Much tighter game in the second half. Looked like it was drifting into a nil nil draw, and then someone hits a screamer. I think Snodgrass hit a screamer in the screamer in the 89th minute, and they run away with all three points. Um, and I think that's football, isn't it? I think you've said you you've had a lot of tight games through the season and got on the wrong end of it. I think I think sometimes you you see it like that, don't you? Because you <laughs> you know you. you <laughs> You're always oh we've played really well and they've had they've had one but I, I think you do get a lot of those in the in the championship as well where the first like 15 minutes is just you know the ball in the air a lot and everyone sizing themselves up um yeah um let's not ignore the 6th of January and the depressing second well very depressing <laughs> game for it was kind of like that was the point where our season was like oh right okay this this sucks um so it's the fa cup third round and um i wanted to write in my notes both both played weakened teams but ipswich didn't play that weaker team in in that game i looked back and there's a lot of a lot of appearances for the first team as you know kind of one or two but um the blades played a very very much weakened team and um thomas smashes in one from 25 yards and McCarthy on 80 minutes basically was like right I don't want to replay no more subs and kind of let them lose um one nil I mean you had a couple of um couple of other wins in the well I think I think you beat Preston in the in the next round um so did that kind of resuscitate things a little bit because if you if you look through the fixtures that was actually when you kind of started winning semi-regularly again yeah it's hard to know because I was away at the time, but I think we were just in need of getting a positive result, really. I, th- I think there was a lot of disappointment. Even though we beat Sunderland over Christmas, I remember my friend took my season tickets for that game and he was sort of saying, you know, we, we could have won by five or six because Sunderland was so poor. It was hard not to beat them by, by three at minimum. But United didn't really play that well. And and he, he was, you know, he... His view of it was it was just a, a poor game, but United were forced to win because Sunderland were just abject, really. Um, and that kind of got played out by the Bolton defeat at home a few days later. And although we got that nice result at Derby, there was just this sense that the season was drifting away. And I think it probably did give us a kickstart. And then, you know, we we had the Derby game, I think, after that, if I'm thinking about it rightly. Which was, it's strange really, because I was sat there in New Zealand 
And all I wanted was not to lose the derby because in my mind, we'd beaten Wednesday away. My season was made. I was happy. <laughs> and I, what I didn't want was for them to beat us at home. And I was a bit unaware of the fact they got a few injuries for that game. And actually, they were probably there for the taking. And New coach but, as well for that yeah. one. Yeah. But, but in my mind, I was thinking, new coach, we don't know what to expect. It makes it hard. You know, you get a new manager in, suddenly it's very hard for Chris Wilder to do his own work so he doesn't know what the new coach is going to do. And so it makes it a bit more of a riskier proposition. And as it happens, it sounds like they were kind of there for the taking that day and we didn't play as well as we could have done. But, you know, I was quite happy in New Zealand hearing it finish nil-nil. I, I was there at sort of eight in the morning looking at the scores on the on the phone, sort of going, great, we got away with without them getting any kind of local pride back on us. Um, so, yeah, we, we did have a bit of a revival after that, actually, when you look at it. We won away at Norwich, which I'm sure you guys were very happy about. So, Well, and Norwich, way, Norwich have got a real thing with Chris Wilder now as well, haven't they? There, yeah. there was, um, I think they showed up late for the, for the first game um, and Wilder really went for them in the press conference. And then I think he was giving it large on the pitch after the win in Norwich. Um, so, yeah, interesting rivalry out of nowhere there. Yeah, I think it's got something bizarre to do with, with water bottles. I remember that Norwich game. Was <laughs> right, OK. They, they beat us at, at um, Bramall Lane, and, and it was a bit of a frustrating one. That was, it felt like, yeah, we, we probably should have got a draw out of it or something. But they beat us, and there was this point where Wilder was getting frustrated and he tried to kick the ball back into play, and the Norwich manager had all these water bottles in his technical area, and he kicked the ball against the water bottles, and then they had, I think the referee came over and sent him out, sent him off for unsportsmanlike play, and I think the Norwich manager went mad about it or something, and it, it all just got a bit blown out, and I think Wilder felt like the Norwich manager made a bit, bit of a big fuss over a, a bit of spilt water. Um, and that seemed to lead into whatever went on at Carrow Road as well. For some reason, the two of them don't like each other anyway. So it can be very yeah. petty sometimes, can't it? <laughs> yeah, it can be <laughs> petty, very bizarre. But that, that was a good result for us. And you know, I suppose you guys can look and think by going out in the FA Cup, you helped Norwich lose another game. So that's got to be good, hasn't it? See? Well, um, I, w- I won't talk about our dealings with Norwich this season because they couldn't be any more heartbreaking. But um, <laughs> so. Yeah, let me get my words up, sorry. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a better run. Um, last seven games have kind of gone win-loss, win-loss. And through some weird, presumably snow-driven fixture quirk, you've got four away games in a row, um, Saturday being the last yeah. of them. Um, I was at the Reading uh, Sheffield United game, um, would have been sort of 10 days ago. So, um, I thought they looked more back to their... I mean, Reading were horrible. Reading were really bad and didn't... tried to do their tippy-tappy passing in two below zero with Frost on the pitch. And, you know, <laughs> uh, Sheffield United just pressed them and really just overran them. But I thought they I thought they looked good um, again. Um, let's just go into what we think's going to happen on Saturday. So I've got the 11 that played against Fulham um, on Tuesday... Um, so I'll read through them and can you tell me how similar you think it's going to look on Saturday and then as usual yeah. I think I can probably guess the names but just sort of three guys to to look out for for the Ipswich fans so it was uh, Blackman O'Connell Stearman and Basham uh, Stevens and Bulldog Fleck Duffy Evans Sharp and Donaldson up front um, 
So how similar do you think that's going to be? And um, give us three three names to look. Actually, shall I guess the three names? Um, yeah, you can do. I mean, I think the one the one obvious change if he's fit is Clark will come back in for Donaldson. So is but that from the he went down in a Reading game, didn't he? Yeah, I, I assume he was injured. The, the the story was that they expected him and Blackman both to be fit, but then he wasn't even on the bench on Tuesday night, so he, he must have not made it. Um, and you would expect Clark to come in, certainly for Donaldson, but possibly even for Sharp. He has played Clark and Donaldson together at times. And the other name that's in the picture, I don't really know what's happened to him, is James Wilson, who we got on loan from Man United. And I think he picked up a bit of an injury, and I don't know whether he's close to coming back or, or whatever. Um, but he, you know, if he's fit, you could see Clark and Clark and Wilson. You could see Clark and Sharp, Clark and Donaldson. But I think Clark will feature if he's fit. I thought Clark and Sharp looked a lot more dangerous than Sharp and Donaldson. I think, I yeah. think Clark, his kind of power and his running power does a lot for Sharp, where he can move between the between the penalty area lines yeah. um anyway i'm going to guess your three players to look out for definitely fleck probably duffy there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And O'Connell. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that's a bad shout. I mean, Basham with his marauding runs as well. Basham and O'Connell both get forward and cause chaos on, in certain games. And, and they seem to, some weeks it'll be one, some weeks it'll be the other. Um, so it's, it's hard to say. But yeah, they I think that's a fair shout. The other ones to, to look out for as well is if he gets on the pitch is, is um, David Brooks. But in a way, he's another symptom of what's gone wrong with our season because you, you look at the Coots injury and that, that got the headlines. But Brooks contracted glandular fever in early December and Tuesday night was only like his second appearance since December, really. I think he made it half an hour in the Leicester Cup game. Then he got a back injury and he's been out again. And he came back in on Tuesday night, 
Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me if he's fit, if he could even start Clark and, and um, Brooks if he thinks he's fit enough. Because he, he, when we were in the really good run, he, he had Clark and Brooks together a few times because I think he th- feels they play well off each other. And he's more a, a dribbler, tricky guy, isn't he, Brooks? Yeah, he's, he's, he's a real talented, interesting, exciting young player. The only thing was on Tuesday night, I was down at Fulham and he looked a little bit off his game. You know, just, just the little things that a good player like that can do that don't quite come off when you've been off the pitch for quite a few months. And, you know, so, so things where he'd take the ball around somebody, maybe his flick wouldn't quite work or his control wouldn't be quite as tight as it could be. But if he's on his game, he'll get the ball. He'll be very, very quick and decisive with it. What makes him so good is that he's direct and young and confident. But he's also got a nice touch and nice skill and a bit of vision about him. So when, when the ball comes to him, he'll either he'll either control it quickly and move with it or he'll very quickly move it on to somebody else. And it's that speed of thought and speed of movement that United have probably been lacking quite a lot when he's not been in the team. And we, we shouldn't really be relying on an 18, 19-year-old. But, you know, in the championship, that little bit of spark um, can make a big difference. And so definitely one to watch for if he gets on the pitch. Mm, very good. Um, how do you think it's going to play out on Saturday? So, like we said, it's going to be 3-5-2 against... Um, Three five two, and obviously um, Ipswich's cancelled game is going to be the following Tuesday, and it's against Hull. So part of me thinks, knowing how our manager can be, that if you offered him four points from the two games now, he'd <laughs> yeah. be he'd be quite happy with it. How do you how do you see it playing out? I, I think Wilder's mentality is he will want to win. I, I think there's no value in draws anymore for United this season. We I hope I'm not making the, the the ultimate sacrifice in overconfidence, but, you know, it seems impossible we can go down anymore. Um, so what we've got to play for is to try and get in the top six. And Wilder's always been positive. I can't see that he would approach the game in anything other than start on the front foot, try and get an early lead, commit men forward. If we go behind, double the commitment to go forward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, that that's the way. That's why it's nice to watch his team. It's you know he he does want football to be about chances and and even on Tuesday night at Fulham, although we lost that game three 0 I felt we played well. I, I've been to the last few away games. We went to Hull, and and that was disappointing. We didn't really deserve a lot out of that game, and it it was lacklustre. But at Fulham, it felt like we started well. We were the better side, really, for 15 or 20 minutes. I actually went with a guy from work. He was a neutral, and he was really impressed with how well we started. But, we, you know, they're a good side, and we kept getting to the edge of their box or getting into the box, but not really getting a clear shooting opportunity. It's always hard to tell because you're down the other end of the pitch. You can't quite see what happens when it gets into the box. Um, but then they got a foot in the game, and it, it was very much like they just had that cutting edge, that bit of class to find that good ball in the box at the right time and, and finish the chances that they got. And even 2-0, we started the second half very positively. So I think you'd see this very much on Saturday if, if the game took a similar path. We were 2-0 down. We came out and just pressed Fulham and pressed Fulham and pressed Fulham. And then they broke away and went 3-0 up. And, and that kind of... But, you know, I think Wilder would have been happier that we gave it a go and lost 3-0 than, than played it tight and lost 1-0. So I, I'd like to think we're going to have an open positive sort of game of football um, unless Mick McCarthy closes it down and wants a point. Well that's the thing with the the three five twos as well um, 
I mean, they won at Sheffield Wednesday on Tuesday, but when the teams came out, he went for three primarily defensive centre midfielders and then everyone's saying, I know Twitter is not real life, but everyone's saying on Twitter, okay, three centre-backs, two wing-backs who are defenders and three defensive midfielders, that can become <laughs> nine behind the ball very quickly. Um, did, did, do you think, they, do you think um, uh, United can beat us then? Um, <clears throat> I think we'll give it a damn good go. I think that's one thing I can be confident of. I'd like to think we can beat you because I think, you know, we, we seem to be hitting a bit of form again. And I think if we can get key people like Clark and Brooks on the pitch, you know, we've got it in us to be able to beat both sides in the division. But it depends a little bit which United turns up. If the United that played Hull turns up, I think you'll turn us over without too much difficulty. Um, and I think it, it's fair to say that, you know, in the division, beyond the sort of top two or three that I've mentioned, I, I think it's fairly tight. I think it's about who's on form, who's who, who puts it in on the day and, and you know, which players are playing well. And I, I, I don't think there's head and shoulders... I don't think we could sit there and go, oh, yeah, we're going to go Ipswich and win easy. I don't, I don't think the division's like that. No, I, I, I agree with that totally. Um, before we go to the um, Twitter questions, um, first of all, what do you think of Carter Vickers? Because obviously he played in both games against Ipswich, yeah. and we've had him probably for two months, and he's very good. He's been really good for um, us. Secondly, who's your player of the season? OK, well, Carter Vickers, it's an interesting one because he, he started the season well for us. I, I, I think he came in after a few games, but he played well and he looked a good player. And he had that certain amount of composure on the ball and, you know, just, just looked like a, yeah, strong and composed and he looked like a real good addition. He, he seemed to be pretty much a fixture in the defence. But I suppose what you forget is at the time, Stearman had been injured very early on, and that's probably when Vickers actually started playing. And Stearman had spent one and a half, two million on, which is a huge spend for us. He's, he's by far our biggest signing in terms of cost. So he was always going to bring Stearman back. And I, I haven't analysed it closely enough, but it may well be that they just play in the same part of defence. Yeah, because for... Stearman goes in the middle of your three, doesn't he? Where, yeah. where Carl think... Vickers was. Is that right? I think he had Carter because on the right of our oh, okay. three. That's where but, he's playing for us. Yeah, but it, it may have been that he felt he, you know, you've got O'Connell and Basham that offer a lot going forward, and he probably wanted a defender who's a big, strong defender, but isn't really one of the marauding players that supports the fullbacks. And so I suspect it was just a case of realistically, Stearman is our number one in that position, and he didn't. He said at the time, you know, he he, want, he let Carter Vickers go back because he didn't want to do the wrong thing by Spurs, which was they lent into us to get game time and he didn't feel he was going to give him the game time. But I don't think there was ever a point where anyone was going, oh, Carter Vickers isn't good enough. I, I, I think he was, he was just a victim of the fact that Stearman came back and therefore he was always going to struggle a little bit to get his place back from Stearman. Um, but he, he looks... A good player. The only thing is, he looked like he had a mistake in him once in a while. He was one of those players that would be having a really good game and then just do something horrendous. And thinking about it, he may have done something horrendous against Fulham when they equalised. 
I seem to remember that might have been one of his mistakes. He's made a couple of mistakes that cost us key goals. But when it comes to 90 minutes of football, he generally plays a really good game and he looks a solid, composed, strong defender. And good signing for you, obviously. Yeah, we're, we're really pleased with him. And have, haven't seen the... I mean, we've had Iorfa on loan from Wolves, who looks far more likely to make a mistake <laughs> than Carter Vickers ever would, bless him. But, um, yeah, um, ho- hopefully we don't see that. Maybe, maybe having done a whole year now in the league and the um you know the kind of muck and bullets way that Ipswich play as well that um maybe that's maybe that's good for him and you know it's just he's just literally defending and he there's no no pressure to get forward and um you know that sort of thing um and player of the season um who do you think is going to get that it's hard isn't it when we've been we've had such a good season even though the end of the season the last period has been a little bit off compared to the start it's just been such a good season it's very hard to kind of pick individuals at times brooks was flair but he hasn't played enough to justify it clark before christmas you would have had to have had clark he was banging in the goals like nobody's business but he's flattened out a little bit i'd say the most consistent throughout is is probably flex he's the engine of the team i really uh, i really i really think he's an excellent player yeah it's fabulous yeah he's, he's he's great he just offers that constant I don't know, he just drives everything forward. Good, good, really. cross, good crosser as well. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got a lot to his game. He's, he just, and that's the thing, I think, between Coots and Fleck, I'd have always said if we had to lose one of them, I'd have rather lost Coots. But I think you start to realise now that the two of them together were actually a very good midfield pairing. Um, beyond beyond him, um, I think Duffy deserves an honourable mention. But again, in patches, he's... Duffy on his day is fabulous and he scored some great goals. And one, at, one at Reading that I saw the yeah. other day was brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's done some really clever, incisive sort of play. But again, in patches, um, Fleck, week in, week out, he, he, he's just the man that makes the difference, I think. OK. Um, let's go on to... We've got a few questions from online. This is Matt from Facebook. Um, As a promoted team, therefore moderate recent success, does Mark prioritise wins over style in essence knowing that being successful isn't guaranteed and with Sheffield United slipping a little in recent weeks would he sell his footballing soul to the devil just to be in the playoffs for long or against long term (laughs) you know what I'd like to think I prefer style but style with some wins if you know what I mean there's no point having lots of style and being in a relegation scrap but it's nice to go and watch football that you enjoy watching week in, week out. You know, a number of those years in League One, it wasn't just that we were in League One, it was that the football wasn't great at times and we just seemed to lose our way. And it's it's disheartening when you go to the game week in, week out and you're not really enjoying what you see. Um, getting in the playoffs, I, I want to get in the playoffs because I want to get in the playoffs, but actually I'm not sure I want us to win the playoffs. <laughs> right, yeah. Because I, I'm not sure I want to be a Premier League side that, it's a really it makes you sort of question a lot what you want out of football, doesn't it? Because this season's fun. We've got something to play for. I want to be in the playoffs because that's what you want to do, isn't it? You want the season to keep going and to have something to be excited about. And you've got to have a target in football, something that as a fan, it's like, oh, we're only three points off this or two points clear of that. And and you want that edge to your season. But if if I had a choice, would I want to start the season in the Premiership or in, in the Championship? I'd rather be a good Premiership side, a good Championship side, than a poor Premiership side, I think. Because you eventually get bored of seeing 
football where all you want to do is not lose. And I, I think you look at say Huddersfield this season, they're in a great season. That's the, that's what we all dream of in the Premier League, isn't it? You win some good games against some good sides like Man United. And you have that real excitement. You fly high for a little period. But now suddenly their season, they're losing 4-0 here and 3-0 there, and then they're getting themselves a win. And it'll go down as a great season if they can stay up, but then next season could be really disappointing and, and painful. And actually all you're doing is watching a side that is really out of its depth. And I don't want to be that side. And it costs, it costs a lot of the... Um... A lot of the TV money, even just to be that side, all of all of a sudden, to be 16 for whatever, you still have to pay a fortune for all of your, you know, Premier League ready players as well, don't you? So you, yeah. it's, it's not even like you can bank the money and, um, you know, okay, if we come down, we've banked the money. But um, there you go. Um, yeah. Alistair, ask him what he made of Chris Wilder writing off their playoff hopes the other week, saying he wasn't going to motivate them anymore wasn't going to leave it to the players, doesn't seem to reflect well on the players or managers. So this was after the whole game where he properly, properly went for them. Um, what was your view on, on that? I, I think it's just, to me, it was just typical manager games, really. I think he was probably exasperated that he tried to do whatever he tried to do and whatever had worked earlier in the season to G them up and get them positive and... It seemed like a very happy camp earlier in the season and, and, and last season. It felt very much like Wilder had a very good relationship with the players. And maybe as the season's tailed off a little bit, he's tried to get tougher with them to just try and re- get a response and try and get a reaction and try and get them back on where they were. Maybe he just felt that what he was doing wasn't working. And I think that was probably almost like the final throw of the dice in terms of, right, I'm just going to come out here and say that I've had enough of this. I can't do it, it you know. And, and see if he gets a reaction. And I think he got a reaction, so it probably worked. And the performances the last few games since then have certainly been better. Um, and, and it was a really poor game, that whole game. I, I went up there on a Friday night and I was just thinking, why didn't I just stay and watch it? <laughs> it was freezing cold. We never really got out of second gear. And all that stuff I say about United never setting back and just not, you know, to go one nil down will be at your throats trying to get back. That wasn't the United you saw that night. It, it just felt like we were in second gear throughout. Um, so I think he was just really, you know, you've got to remember Wilder back in the day when he was playing for us was playing under Dave Bassett, and that feels like a Dave Bassett move to me. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The Dave Bassett school book, really. Um, Barry, who does he see as a threat to them heading into tomorrow's game? If he had to choose one player from our squad, who would he take? Ooh, I'm struggling because I haven't paid too much attention to <laughs> <your> squad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm feeling... Um, there was, I can't remember the name of the guy. It was one of the forwards looked pretty lively when you played down at our place, but I can't remember. It would have been was. it would have been Waghorn because Garner wasn't Garner wasn't playing. But um, yeah. I can answer it for you because Blackman's on loan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you take our goalie. He's he's excellent, but don't don't tell, okay. don't don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> Nathan, embarrassed about that now. I should have done my homework, shouldn't I? But... Uh, Nathan says, what does he think about Sheffield Wednesday's, I can't speak, Sheffield Wednesday's downfall this season? 
<laughs> it's been fantastic. It's been absolutely spectacular. <laughs> I, w- I was there. I was there on Tuesday, Mark, and um, you know you often get ranting and raving. I was walking out, um, listening to that. I sat in a homestand so I could get on halfway, and they they really just couldn't be bothered. It was oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know, it really got got to that sort of point. Um, uh, yeah. Tricky's question as well is kind of linked in. What's it like playing eight derbies a season? <laughs> Eight derbies a season. I don't. If he's including Barnsley, Leeds, oh, Barnsley, Wednesday. Um, Ipswich only have Norwich forty miles away and never play Colchester or Cambridge or yeah anyone else. Yeah, you know what? It, it's just nice to have games week in week out where there's good crowds and a, and a good excitement to the to the match. And yeah, I mean there is an added an added spice this season, because particularly Leeds, there's always been that edge with Leeds. And Everyone has that with Leeds, though, don't away. they? Yeah, yeah, it's a natural thing, isn't it, not to like Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so to get the double over them has been fantastic. And, you know, we, we've played Barnsley quite a few times over the years. They seem to sort of follow us around the divisions. Right, yeah, yeah. So that, that's a bit more of a a bit more of a sort of taken game. Um, I'm trying to think who the other Derby's referring to is. So we've got Barnsley, Wednesday, Leeds. Who's the fourth one? Whoever is the supporters of that team is going to hate me for not being Yeah, I'm trying to. Fourth I'm... local local rival is. Well, Rotherham's gone, isn't it? Rotherham, Donny, Chesterfield aren't aren't around. Um, can't think who he's referring. Mm. To. Oh, maybe he means Derby, Derby. I don't know. But then but... then you have to include Forest as well, don't you? But there you go. Yeah, yeah, but um. Yeah, it, it's always nice to have those games that add a bit of an edge, isn't it? And and I think there's nothing better than that sort of sense that it, it's not even local pride, is it? It's that sense of rivalry and and the the build up to the game and and seeing that crowded away end and and all the banter that goes between it all. And I think any games where you've got an edge, whatever the reason for that edge, makes it a bit more fun, doesn't it? And it's it's the little things like when Leeds equalised and some idiot ran on the pitch and was was giving it all and then went home and we all know when home sacks he lost two one and that, that makes you smile, you know. It always makes me laugh how one guy goes up to a stand with a thousand people in and wants to <laughs> wants to wants to take them all on. There you go. Um Mark, thank you so much for coming on. I'm just gonna do our plugs and then you can have the last word, okay? So um if you have watched this far thank you very much we assume that you have subscribed to the blue monday podcast which you can get three times a week on acast and itunes um these shows are now also on youtube so please give us a thumbs up subscribe comment there you can follow me on twitter at benjamin bloom and the brand at blue monday itfc where you can buy a wonderful t-shirt which um, helps to support the show we're also on facebook.com slash blue monday um mark do you want to have the last word before i hang the call up um, yeah, I don't mind. I don't know what I'm going to add as the last word. <laughs> no pressure. Down. I'm looking forward to coming down to Portman Road tomorrow. It's, it's it's a ground I've never been to. I've been outside it. I can't remember how. I had some business thing down there once and I, I got as far as the outside of the ground. But you weren't playing at the time, so I couldn't go in. Um, and so we're going to have a night in Ipswich and I'm looking forward to it. And I, I just hope that all the Ipswich fans are really nice to us and give us a good night out, even if we've taken a few points off it. We're a lovely Mark, thanks again so much for um, coming on. Enjoy the game on Saturday. And as, as we always say, good luck from Sunday onwards. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll wish you the same, yeah. Awesome. Okay, everyone. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.